0: There it is. I'm Charles Holmes for the Ringer Music Show. And I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect, and Charles and I are teaming up to create Last Song Standing, a new show where we determine an artist's single best song by debating our way through their entire catalog. And for our first season, we're covering Kendrick Lamar. We're talking Good Kid to Pimple Butterfly, Damn, Mr. Morale, the mixtapes, the Lucy's, and the features. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed, only on Spotify Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Sheridan. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial culture, the millennial lifestyle, hip-hop, R&B, video games, anime, etc., etc. This week, we're talking about Jared Carmichael, but not about Rothaniel, although we can talk about
1: Rothaniel, but we're actually talking about on the calendar. Indirectly, of three. we may accidentally end up talking about Rothaniel. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's just Gerard Carmichael Day on on uh, on uh, on the pod on, on on Sound only this week.
0: Can I say something too? It's like Gerard Carmichael, I sort of scratched like back during Rothaniel discourse, right? Sure. I was thinking back and I was like, he's one of those comedians who for the longest time, because anybody, he had the Carmichael show, right? Two seasons right. Canceled way too early. Cancelled way too soon. Right. I, I didn't watch that much of Carmichael's show, but like, I remember, I remember him being like one of the podcast comedians. Which is to say, I probably listened to like nine different podcasts where he's done interviews on them. He's on literally the first episode of the Champs podcast, which is the oh, old right. Neo Brennan Brennan's podcast. Yeah, he's the he very would, first like... guest on the first episode,
1: dog. Like, wow. two thousand eleven. Uh, for those of, for, for the uninitiated, the champs was Neil Brennan, uh, Neil Brennan and, oh, sorry, what was the Moshe name? Kesher.
0: Moshe, Moshe Kesher. Moshe
1: Kesher. Neil Brennan and Moshe Kesher's uh, show where they would just interview black people about yes! their lives. It <laughs> like was it's great! Like, There was no premise other than that. It was just it kind was of like, hey, top. Blake Griffin. What's it like playing for Donald Sterling, who, you know, enjoys the color of your hair, but not the texture of it? Like, these are the kinds of conversations <laughs> that they would be having Dog, on this podcast. they interviewed Lexington Steel on that podcast? Oh, like, shit! I forgot yeah. they fucking interviewed Lexington Steel. Wow, oh, at, was that, a like that, time, that, bro. It was it, it was a different time. What an of what a what what a what a body of work that that is it's a body
0: of work. <laughs> it really is. Oh my! I after that show got canceled, it's like after they stopped doing it. Rather, right. Like I interviewed Neil at Complex. Like he came through, and like half the interview was just be wanting to talk about ep- old episodes of the Champs. But in any <laughs> case, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. we're talking about Gerard Carmichael. We're talking but about
1: podcast. Podcast comedian is 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 right. He's, he like I I think before that we just before, right before we got on to record, I was watching, um, the interview that he did on Jesus on Desus versus Mero, the Showtime show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like he's right at home in that like you know being you know between two co-host type of banter. You know, yeah. like it, it it feels like very true to I, like his overall style as a comedian I guess like if you've watched 8 or Rothaniel, the way that it's it's like it's very casual it's very me exploring the caverns of my own mind at my at my leisure at my own pace type yeah. of type of deal for um, sure which works
0: um, yes but in this case this episode even though we will touch upon stand up material probably um you you had the recommendation of you basically text me. You're like, yo, you should watch on the count of three, right? Can you? Explain and I said three things. I is? said
1: three things that I knew that you were going to like, which is it's it's streaming on Hulu. You don't oh, yeah. have to look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is less than an hour and a half long. <laughs> those is, those <laughs> are those are the those are my selling points. Like, there's you can't say that you don't like. It's just it's just there. It's like it's it's literally it's a little eighty six minute movie. Like it's it's a nice little entry into the genre of, like, you know, gritty indie 86-minute movie upgrade on the count of three. <laughs> I can't really think of any other ones immediately off of the top of my head, but it's, a, like, it's a good short two-minute song, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's also, like, it's a it's, it's an
1: Annapurna joint,
0: right? Like, it's one of yes. those sort of was was, like, buzzing out of Sundance last year, and so it came out earlier this year.
1: You know, um, one of those things that it took a while to get made, and then once it was finally made, there was like a, a vocal minority that really loved it, and like yeah. now it's on your preferred streaming service. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um And it's his directorial debut, right? So yes. this is like a... Drama. This is that's the other thing. Mike sometimes Mike could be texting me about adult mature dramas, right? The okay. kind of movies oh, they don't wait, make. Hold, no on, more. hold on, hold on,
1: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You trying to paint me like <laughs> I am like just an emo film nerd. No,
0: no, no, no. It's just it's good, right? Because it's one of those things where it's easy sometimes, based on sort of the milieu that we operate in, to be like, man, why is all of culture sort of super serialized? you know, soapy superpower shit. And you remember that, like, man, you know, we we can be snobs. We can sit back and discuss the finer points of this this sort of somewhat uh dark tragic comedy about two close friends uh with like extreme suicidal ideation and like it's like this the trigger warnings all over this movie by the way yeah I mean like is, it's it is, is like
1: a movie it's a, it's... It's, it's a buddy comedy about a suicide pact. Uh, yeah. Like, it is... it is. Which, I mean, uh, like he was saying in that Deez vs. Marrow, uh episode interview, uh, it took a while just to get made because of the subject matter. Yeah. And, like, you know, whether or not... And Hulu being, like, a Disney-owned property, like, people trusting him to execute the idea in a delicate enough way. And I think that ultimately I was like really surprised by like how heartwarming the movie was like, you know, I think the quality is that of like, You know, after seeing mid-90s before you started reading all the stuff about white infantile rage that it represents or whatever on the internet. When you walked out of of the theater, it was like you were floating because it's just like you remember like, you know, points in your life where uh, character progression or like, you know, personal development just meant getting in the car you know, to see what would happen that, and like it, and having like a movie like that recreates that feeling on the count of three is in a similar vein because it's just about like, yes, it is a buddy comedy about a suicide pact, but it's also like kind of, uh, an earnest movie about the decision to live your life. Um, yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it kind of, like, hits you in unexpected ways. Can yeah, you tell it, that I like this movie? <laughs> yeah, also, so
0: when you talk about unexpected ways, first of all, up just up top before we get into it, like, I'd be curious to know how many of our listeners even have seen it. I feel like even, like, I, the buzz in this movie is weird, right? Like, it feels like it's, it's still pretty niche. So I'm curious, you know, people write in to soundonlypod at gmail.com if you've seen this movie, or if you watch it sort of based on our conversation today. But to your point about it hitting you in uh, unexpected ways, right? Like in the beginning, of the, it's like early on uh, when the Christopher Abbott character, right, is talking to the therapist, and they the know, best
1: friend is played by Christopher Abbott. The setup is that uh, Gerard Carmichael. Um. Is this this guy named Valentino Watson, which I just think is a hilarious name, and he has like a he has a white best friend that has been in and out of therapy, mental facilities. Kevin, you know, had you know ketamine therapy, every single type of like electro whatever thing that you can you know that the cutting edge to counteract depression or why it is that people have time to feel this sad, like Christopher Abbott's character has done all of that in theory, you know, like in, in, in the course of the story.
0: Um, yeah. And it's like early on, he's talking to a therapist and they're establishing that, right? Like that history of sort of like mental health treatment. And he it's like, he is, you are still trying to figure out what the tone of this movie even is. And he's talking to the therapist who's sort of doing this check in. And he's like, Yeah, you know, if anything, I feel guilty because I'm, you know, it's like I'm fine, actually. And if anything, I I wish that I wasn't taking up all the space in this treatment program because of, you know, other people could be being helped. And then it's sort of like the woman keeps talking and just he just asking loses it.
1: gentle questions and he's just like and it's you can see him like unraveling yeah, like yeah, in he, as it's happening it's and, and you he realizes the front. and he's just like man come on man like get the fuck out of here man y'all can't help me dog and, and he, like, he goes he just, like you know you bitch and then he's just like i am so sorry <laughs> <laughs> chris rabbit plays kevin and kevin could just as well be like Val's imaginary friend and styling and the way that like he talks, you know, the the things that he says aloud are things are like is, you know, it's sort of as though there is this sort of running internal dialogue that's continually spinning that just spills out occasionally. Like he gives voice to Val's thoughts about why I am now choosing suicide. Going, you know, the nuclear option instead of having, you know, gone to therapy. Why haven't you just talked to somebody like, you know, anybody would say to anybody with suicidal ideation? And, and like Kevin, at least, is like there to say, well, you know, um, your entire childhood, the way that you were brought up, uh, the stigma on, uh, you know, working on your mental health of the black community etc. Like these are all things that like Val Gerard Carmichael couldn't say out loud with a straight face but Kevin is there to say them. That's the that's the dynamic of like their relationship.
0: For sure. But even even though Kevin is the one there to say all that stuff out loud, it's like they still do a really good job together of having this dynamic of two men working through this stuff or not really working through this stuff a lot of the time in like, like a decidedly manly way, yeah, just right like too men
1: being men about it. it. But like also, <laughs> like to men as, like, you and I understand men to be, yeah. not, like, of, like, the yeah. image of, like, the Marlboro Man thing. And I thought about that a lot right. because of, like, right. how uncomfortable Gerard Carmichael looks smoking cigarettes.
0: Yeah, which because is important it's, like, in this movie. It's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's super important in this movie because, uh, like, it's kind of an affectation that he picked up from his dad character yes. who's played by J.B. Smoove. And When yeah. JB Smooth takes out the blue camels Ooh. and starts shaking the pack, like, Oof. yeah, <laughs> listen, buddy, must be, like, listen, boy, you definitely like best it's like, moment it's, in the movie is when he it does is, that. Talk. It is so, because it's like you've never seen JB Smooth be never in your this life. like, you've never seen him be this cool. Like, JB Smooth in living memory currently is. The chaperone on the in the spider in the in the in the John Hughes spider the John Watts <laughs> Spider Man movies that keep coming out where he's just kind of like you know haphazard science teacher affable nitwit mm-hmm. and then also uh the uh the betting fantasy commercials he's been doing with Holly Berry for, for 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 the NFL you know yeah. like that's it like it's it's just him and like he doesn't get to do stuff like this so like. He, gets, he comes in and gets to shaking that pack of cigarettes, and it's the coldest shit you've seen. And it looks—it's just like it's—it's—it's it's, it's something that, like, I think I thought a lot about because of there's a previous scene in the elevator where Kevin, uh, Christopher Abbott's character, has been uh, sexually abused by like one of his earlier uh, therapists, played by Henry Winkler. So he's just kind of like, you know, it's my last day to live. I'm gonna go kill this guy. Let's go kill him. And they're in an elevator and they have the guns and he he's just like, you can't just walk around with the gun out like that. You gotta tuck it in your tuck it in. Tuck it. In. And he puts it in his sweat, in his uh, sweatpants man, band and man. like, you know, covers it up with his jacket. And he's just and like. Val takes a beat and steps back. And he's just like, I'm just admiring you right now. Like, you look cool. It's just like, it looks like your sad eyes got purpose now. Like, these are, like, the thing is that, like, these are things that you know Gerard Carmichael thinks about. So the fact that he looks so uncomfortable smoking cigarettes and he said on the News for show that, like, he doesn't smoke, like, he smokes socially or whatever. Like, it was uncomfortable. It didn't, like, he threw up during one of the scenes they were filming because it didn't sit right in the stomach, etc. And then J.B. Smooth looks as cool as anyone has ever looked smoking a cigarette. Oh, um, I least like these, it's those things like that that make this movie sing, I think.
0: It's not even, I mean, we skipped ahead with the J.B. Smooth, but while we're here, it's just, it's also, there's a sense of transformation that scene, right? Because it's like J.B. Smooth is his dad, right? It's, uh, Val's dad. And it's like, at first, when they run up on him in the garage, right? Like, he's kind of doing the whole, like, oh yeah. I'm changed. I was in a, I'm a changed I'm man. Ch- like, changed. I
1: wasn't the best father, but let's go he's to doing, five guys and let's boy go down to checkers and get us some big goofers. Like, it's like he's doing some like he's doing a you know, JB
0: smooth as you know him. And it exactly. isn't until that moment you're saying where specifically, dog, when he takes that first drag of the cigarette and it just like switches
1: off like a light. No. Bulb. Like no, because, okay. It is when he does the package. but it's like, it, is when, remember, he does, it is when he does the package. he But the smoke in because, his face
0: is like some evil shit, dog. Because,
1: like, Val is, like, taller than JV yeah. Smooth is. You know, like, he's got hair on his face now. He's got some bass in his voice, but you can see his Adam's apple move when he's saying stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and then, so, so JV Smooth, he's just like, you know, listen, you took $2,100 for me. When you left my mom after you beat her up when I was a teenager, and I came back for my money, but also like you know, quiet part is to beat your ass, except for the fact that he had his hands in his pockets the whole time. These are mm-hmm. all important details. The mannerism, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so like, which which is like the payoff is so huge when like Jv Smooth like goes from doing that sunny. Like you see the veins on his neck. We could go to five guys and bring, you know, bike boy and we'll do the thing. (laughs) And then he, and then he takes out the cigarettes, takes a step back and puts his head down and chuckles a little bit. He goes, (laughs) and then he packs the cigarettes. He goes, Mm -hmm. didn't I tell you boy that I ain't got it? Are you deaf? Like, and it's like, you are like, it's like, I don't know, for me personally, I've like, I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's you, it is like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's Pavlovian. But yeah, it's so well done. And so that scene is incredible.
0: Right. And it's like, okay, so we've talked through, Kevin. so it's like Kevin confronting the therapist, Val confronting his dad, right? And it's these, it's, it's these two men sort of saying, all right, we're trying to work up the courage to to kill ourselves or kill each other double suicide at one point in the movie or face chick-
1: or face our lives or like, face our lives right basically and, what the entire day entails yeah. right it's
0: this bucket list day right and it's like the other confrontations it's like when um when val goes to see tasha right his yeah. baby mama who he but you know
1: crucially like a bucket list that's made up on the fly like, I yeah, mean, like yeah. if you like if it's basically like you, what do we today? have the courage to do? Yeah, like you that? today.
0: You know what it is—the fucking Puffy song. If you had twenty-four hours to live, just think: where would you go? What would you do? Who would you screw? And who would you want to yeah, notify? Yeah, yeah. It's but basically it's just,
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like I'd, I'm trying to describe like the sort of plainness of it because like the biggest or. Most over the top thing aside from the sorry aside from the JB's food scene, is like they're riding motors, is riding dirt bikes. Yeah, like,
0: dirt bikes. Uh, Listening to Papa is, Roach.
1: Yeah, while drinking. Just yeah, like drunk driving. What you can think, what you can reach out and grab right now, like it's like the, you know. Calvin Hobbes peanut butter jelly sandwich thing. It's just kind of like, all right, listen, I was going to kill myself half an hour ago, so let's go get breakfast. Let's go slap up that guy that messed with you in high school. Let's go whatever. Like these are like, cause I mean, I don't know. Like you've seen like the bucket list movie with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman, right? It's just like, we're all this fucking at the end of their lives. and got all this money to go, you know, spelunking in Nepal or wherever. And it's just like, these are two people that are broke in the sense of like, you know, you just don't have cash on you right now. Like, and it's that sense of that kind of brokenness and just the mundanity of knowing how you're going to feel waking up the next day when you go to sleep the night before that, like that feeling comes across really well in the movie.
0: Yeah. It's so the working class edge, of the movie is super palpable. Like I think of the, the, remember when they're in the convenience store and,
1: uh, yeah, the guys Kev like
0: snaps. And have you and ever, like? Cause it's just
1: like, cause you've, cause you've come in during a shift change. You've, you've gone yep. into a place during a shift change before and you've, I, like I have like, you know, also work service. Like, so it's just like, you've been on both sides of that thing. So you've been yeah. the guy that's changing the till out being like, all right, I got to tip out and then I will help. You. I have to handle this thing, but you have your own problem, which is my friend is br- yeah. bleeding out over here. <laughs> and it, cul- it culminates in this like hilarious and really the scene that has like a lot of hardware, like Kevin, like he's just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm, he goes to the car, grabs a gun, comes back in and sticks to the guy's face. He's just like, I would like some wire gauze and bandages <laughs> gauze. and some Tylenol, please. Is there anything else that you need, Val?
0: No, he's like, take the money, take the money. He's like, I just want the gauze.
1: Yeah, he's just like take the money. He's just and then like it's so funny that like after the stick up is over, he's just like, Okay, how much is it? And he's like, What?
0: Well no, it's the other part where he's after the stick up, he's like, You need to oh, respect he's just people like he's Listen, like people,
1: wait, when people are talking, you need to listen. Listen to
0: them. it hurts to be ignored. <laughs> yes, it hurts to be ignored, is what he said. It hurts to be ignored.
1: Oh man! Like that—that's
0: what. Yeah, that, the, that dynamic of their friendship and their whole thing, right? Is this like you? The thing about being broke is totally on point, right? What makes makes the movie is like it's not they're a trying to stick up for each other, but they way. can't even yeah. really
1: stick up for each for themselves. Like it's that sort of situation,
0: and that like plays a huge part in sort of the big climactic beats, right? Because it's like, um. In this, sort of in the altercation with Val's dad. Um, isn't it Kev who snuffs his dad? Kev is the one who yeah. snuffs his dad. Kev his is dad, like, yo, when, when JB Smooth puts up the Dukes, by the way, <laughs> he just he's gets like, into he, he has like, a he getting the brakes off of him. Yeah, he's, just he's like, in a real stance, um, bro. He's ready. He's fought before. JB Smooth has fought some people before. I will put it to you like that, bro. Because yeah. he had, he had a tight st- He had a tight guard. OK, his knuckles, <laughs> his knuckles are right at the bone right beneath beneath your eye, bro. He knew where his knuckle needed to be on his face to guard. OK, um, but it's Ke- it's Kevin who snuffs um Val's dad. And then in exchange, right, when Kevin finally tracks down Henry Winkler, the pedophile therapist, right? Like that goes sideways. And instead of Kevin being the one who snuffs him, like. Val shows up, it has to do it right, and that's the sort of like culmination of the two of them having to have each other's back, and that yeah. being like in large part the dynamic of the movie. Um, and yeah, it's just heartwarming, right? Like it's hard. I mean, you know, like
1: yeah, as, as 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 heartwarming as <laughs> a as movie can be right? in involving a suicide and you know a murder can be, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like, it is like, um, there. I like, I appreciate a movie that ends where it ends and doesn't try to tell us that things will be better. I think that the, like, movie sort of has, um, because it's, because it is a movie that is about the decision to live your life. Uh, I think that, like, the ultimate statement it makes because, uh, like, uh, when Val goes to see Natasha, his his girlfriend, learns that, you know, like, we learn that she's pregnant and that's like, you know, he realizes that he has a reason, he has to be here. Like, that's his reason to live. I think the movie overall... Um, says that a decision to make your life, it's sort of like eventually it will be made for you. Like there'll be something that like some challenge that you need to overcome that real, that makes you realize that you're supposed to be participating. Something will come along like some sort of, you know, distraction that will then, you know, require all of your focus. And then you'll forget about this, you know, sort of, um, you know, void that you found in the snow this Which I think is a really pretty thought.
0: It is a pretty thought. I think I knew, first of all, like, midway, maybe a little more than midway through, that Val was gonna make it through the movie just because of the argument he has with Tasha at Tasha's apartment, where Tasha's yeah. sort of like... Telling him to come to Jesus a little bit, and sort of like you got to get on the way. It's very much like
1: he he can't go. He can't go out like that. Like there is like, like which is kind of you know a recurring thing throughout the movie. I think like because all right, I think we to get down to brass tacks about you know depictions of suicide and whatnot. Me being the person that I am, watching the first attempt where like Val like is he. Realizes he's going to get a promotion at his day job that he hates. Yeah. Uh, and that he kind of needs to take it in order to live the life that he's sort of stumbled backwards into. Yeah. And that is just kind of like more than he can handle. So he goes into the bathroom, ties a belt around his neck, and then like his, like his annoying, like, White co worker comes in who's been, you know, getting on his ass in a very passive aggressive way about smoke breaks, comes in and starts singing, It's a Great Day to Be Alive. And yeah. like, it's very, like, it's very visceral. Like, when it's happening, like he's choking, he's gargling, his feet are kicking around. And I turn to my girlfriend who I'm watching it with, and I'm just kind of like, lacks conviction. Was, was what I said out loud. But, like, you know, it was more or less the same thing where he goes, like, you know, all right, well, I can't go out like this. I can't go out to this song. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's
0: yeah like, I can't go out to this song. He's is, like, man, why'd it have to be this? Right, right. Yeah, and that's
1: <laughs> more or less, like, you know, the out as as the movie goes on. That's I think that's, like, how I realized, like, Val was going to survive because he's, like, he's too, you know... He has too much of an opinion <laughs> for, for for that. Like it's like I gotta, I, it's like I gotta live my life the way that I think that it's going to that I think I should be living it.
0: Yeah, and Kevin, like I didn't, I didn't know what to think when they had that man in the Jeep drinking Maker's Mark, listening to Papa Roach. I was like, he, he could have died. Go, like, he it's, gone out it, right there. It could have gone
1: anywhere. <laughs> like I mean, it's which I is, you know. With the the earlier scene in the bathroom, like, I was just like, oh, okay, so, I mean, what it, like, I was really trying to establish what the tone was, for, like, a, for me to be able to turn and say that, I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is this movie Yeah, doing? I think it, like, really kind of clarifies itself when they split up and are having their different spirals, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Uh, because Val's like, you know what, I'm gonna fix it. I'm just gonna get as much as many months, advanced months of child support together as I can. And I'm just gonna drop it off and say, like, listen, you need whatever, and then I will feel like I've bought off my guilt and I can do this. Right. And like Kevin just takes off and just is going. Like we have no idea what's gonna happen. He, like you said, he's drinking Baker's Market, listening to Papa Roach, and going to find the family of this guy that, like you know, he was doing some burn notice shit. He was doing some burn notice shit. Like he was all the way out there in that water, and and then, but like it comes back around to being pure because he goes to pick Val up, and then like you know he's playing. Battery by Metallica in the car mm-hmm. And then like the bit is Throughout the movie that like Val is just like turn that fucking song off Like it's just <laughs> like this is not Like this is not what Like I'm going through some shit Turn the song off
0: <laughs> Yeah um, Which is okay So by the end of the movie right Cause that's when they're They, they sort of after they kill Henry Winkler right They They mm-hmm. sort of they've been moving through the movie with this sort of ironic sense of invincibility but then after that it's like the woman in the building where he dies like sees that and then the police follow them and they're actually kind of surprised like damn I actually thought we were going to get away with murders and we we're going to kill ourselves anyway but they run in from the police they end up in some aqueduct I don't even know where they are at that point it's like dark and it's like that's where their paths are divergent right it's sort of Val is like, no, I thought I had a kid on the way. Like, I just can't do this. And Kev is just still, he's still charged. Like he's just up. on
1: a joyride. Like, yeah. it's, there is. um, Yeah, like, because I mean, like, there's, they go, like, the, the dirt bike scene is like, they, it's some place that they used to work at when they were teenagers. And, like, you know, they find their way back there to ditch the car. And evade, capture by the police, but, like, the entire time, Val is, like, I gotta beat, like, I can't do, like, we can't go out like this. We gotta, I actually can't go down. Like, right, and, for sure. And Kevin is shit-faced. It's like, that's it's basically all there. Like, there's no, it's like, Kevin's just joyriding. like I said. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and the story resolves itself as you might expect. You know, Val does live, Kevin does die, but like, and I mean like the score is good too. Cause I mean like the, the, the very end, you know, where they got, they got my man Val in conjugals during father's day with the prison raids, um, with the slow pan out. It's a very like gentle way to end the very violent story that yeah. surprises you with like how it punches you in the stomach at the end despite you knowing what is going to happen, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, can I okay, can I address the you said as you'd expect? I will say that like there's a kind of I actually kind of toward the end of the movie developed a kind of like grudging expectation. Cause I feel like there's a kind of movie that we could all think of, right? That's kind of like I don't want to blame Seth Rogen, but I would call it, like, a kind of Seth Rogen core, like, it's oh, a Oh, yeah,
1: where you, you, you assume that, like, uh, you know, under, like, the the beating helicopter, fe- uh you know, and the the, the, the searchlights and with all the sirens around and, like, with Val having the emotional pain, like, I gotta be here, and you can't do this. And we, you know,
0: yeah, it's like you
1: assume that the situation will turn around, and Kevin will be like, "All right, you know, yeah, we'll just we'll face the rap together." And then there's some sort of hijinks that they get out of it, and they also have a weed empire, and <laughs> I ain't em- no about yeah. all that. <laughs> I like you know, I don't, I don't know. Like Why? it's but you know what I mean. It's like there's there being some sort of like everybody gets. Everybody makes out okay. Um,
0: well, there's that, but it's also like there's a way for, it's like a kind of movie that's a movie about men, but like men who aren't afraid of their emotions, man, to be a little too self-conscious about being a movie about men, but um, about men with emotions that like I was worried the end was going to be like kind of what you're saying, going to go too soft on them or be a little too sappy. Alternatively, I had this like weird sneaking thought toward the end of the movie that there was going to be some annoying twist like Kevin was never real and that actually Val uh, was the yeah. only one of them that was real the whole time and that Kevin was like his yeah. death drive or some shit like that. And yeah. I don't but know. I, to I, to like, me, I, 80% of the success of the, the ending of the movie is that it doesn't do that. It just lets you, it lets it have this really super bittersweet ending that's it makes not you trying sit to do it. some clever shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It makes you
1: sit in it. Like there's... It's a very, like, striking image. Like I said, like, there's yeah. the beating helicopters. There's a searchlight. There's the sirens in the background. They're in the middle of this landfill for some reason. And they have the pistols that they started the day with. And Kev's just like, all right, let's do this. So, um, you know, Val's just like, well, I don't feel the same, you know, anymore. And, yeah, I like, I guess, I guess yeah, you... That move that that moment like succeeds because of the expectation that you had that maybe things like somehow, like, you know, they they turn they turn this around. You know, they both do. But it's like Val facing whatever and Kevin making the final decision to just not. Or, you know, to do, like, to do what he was going to do anyway. Maybe that is his way of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just sort of like, there's no explaining it. There's no sort of, like, the movie doesn't say that Kevin's wrong. It doesn't say that Val is correct, you know? It just is, it just happens how it happens.
0: Right. In the same way that twenty-four hours to live doesn't say that Styles P is wrong, it doesn't say Jaden is wrong, right? <laughs> like they doesn't say DMX was wrong. They all have valid outlooks on their final twenty-four hours on Earth. I like the movie a lot. Like I said, I, it was that was kind of a surprise. You know what I mean? It's like the, it definitely has this this feel to it where you're like, uh, my friend Allison Wilmore is a film critic at Vulture, and I, she reviewed it. And she was just sort of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of funny to look at a, at a work like this in lieu of Rothaniel, right? Because it's like, this feels s- so indie in a way. And it feels kind of like the kind of movie that at this point, draw Carmichael is outgrown. And I can kind of see that critique. But I don't know. I like the sort of very modest scale of On the Count of Three And it, yeah, it just, it has that charm. Like, it feels like a really reasonably-sized adult drama about men and, like, hard feelings and shit like that. Yeah. I don't know. Do we have any other thoughts about Gerard Carmichael? I've only seen bits of Rothaniel. I didn't actually sit down and watch all of it.
1: No, I mean, uh, I think, uh, I had like, I like having watched Rothaniel, like, I maybe had some, like, you know, knee jerk opinions about the way he landed the plane at the end of the special, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think, in retrospect, and having, and, you know, like, in the fullness of time and having watched, like, on the count of three, and maybe, like, sat with it a little bit more and seen some other stuff that he's done, like, the Raphael and this movie like have a similar quality around like i'm honestly exploring something that i'm currently working through not like uh to be suggestive or to be like armchair whatever yeah. but like it seems like a very earnest attempt at working through something in each of these in each of these specials uh yeah, or think, movies or things or whatever. Because isn't, like, thing Roth, is just so...
0: It's it's in that kind of confessional style that I think... Look, I'll be real with you. I feel like Hannah Gadsby poisoned the well for a lot of people because, like, I definitely get complaints people have about that special that mm-hmm. I think kind of, like, put people onto that style of, like... Comedy is anti comedy, confessional type thing. But I don't think that's what Gerard Carmichael's doing, right? But he's it's like, I, he's open hearted. Like, Rock Daniel is like, like, like very open hearted. I
1: thought, yeah, it's ge- like it's genuinely open, not like, you know, here's a PowerPoint of like, you know, like exactly yeah. where I fucked up to get to this point and, you know, like how other people can avoid doing the same. It's more like, yeah. you know, having straight-faced observations about um, hard feelings, yes, but also the kind of stuff, the, the, the kind of uh, exploration of, like, hard questions that feels like it's uh, mutable, I guess. Yeah. Like, it feels as though, like, it, it it's broadly applicable. Like, getting over a hard thing. Whether that be... You know, suicidal ideation, or coming out to your mom and having her not fully accept it, or um, having a racially conscious TV show on a like a on a network that kind of wants to tamp down the edges of it a little bit. All yeah. these, like you know, eight, Nathaniel, um, on the count of three, uh, just feel. If imperfect, like kind of earnest and like fully and fully fleshed out and uh, studied attempts at attempt, like uh, going directly at these things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Which I think is what we attempt to do every week on this podcast, Mike. And that's real talk. That's real rap. Yeah. 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 Um, I saw you sip something. What was that? It looked like so it's something clear. Water? Listen, listen Oh, I thought <laughs> I thought you was I thought you had Young, some like cattle I'm, warm,
1: I'm, bro. I'm on I'm on my rehabilitative tip right now, you know. Like, oh that's I'm, right. I'm, like it's I'm, I'm clay sitting on the beach getting shots up below to the gym at the moment. Yes. Um
0: listeners, Micah's injured reserve. I meanwhile have a heavy bag being delivered to my home garage tomorrow morning. We getting the reps
1: in. Um, but that's for another episode. He thinks <laughs> that's gonna save him. He thinks that's gonna save him. It's cool. <laughs> it's like, it's all right, it's cool, you know? It's light.
0: Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you got any questions for us, feedback on the episode, feedback on Rothaniel, feedback on Draw Carmichael in general, anything you wanna talk about. Guilty Gear Strive, still want some emails about that. Anybody playing, please hit me up. I play on PC, though, not PS5. I'm sorry. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Isaiah Blaker. We'll see y'all next week.